0: Hello and welcome to the New York Welsh podcast, the podcast that celebrates Welsh success stories in New York while hopefully inspiring the creation of some new ones. I am Richard.
1: And I am Gideon. Hello, Hello
0: mate, how are you doing?
1: Uh, good, good, thank you.
0: Still still, in very much in lockdown?
1: Uh, pretty much, I mean, I venture out and about, go hang out in the park, that sort of thing, but... Um, Take Linus for a walk? Take Linus for a walk, yes, although not in this heat. He is a bit... What what breed is Linus? Australian Shepherd, so he's covered in loads of very thick fur. And he doesn't mind it early in the morning, he doesn't mind it late at night, but in the middle of the day, in summer, he just wants to be indoors in the air conditioning, just like me. I can feel that. Well then.
0: Our guest today is Rod Thomas. His stage name is Bright Light Bright Light, and he is a singer-songwriter from the outskirts of Neath.
1: Rod's music is a blend of synth-pop, new disco, and house. And over the past decade, he has collaborated with Elton John, Jake Shears, Andy Bell of Erasure, and he has even been on tour with Cher.
0: Uh, I just have to call out as well, and you'll notice it on the podcast, just quite how casually Rod references uh, touring with Cher, um, which I think gives you an idea of the calibre of um, circles that um, Mr. Thomas runs in. Yeah, he's Um, he's on a
1: first-name basis with her.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Two of his albums have reached the top 20 in the UK album chart, and his upcoming fourth album, Fun City, is due to be released this September.
1: Rod is also the founder of Yes Queen, which is a record label and a creative company that he set up to support the LGBTQ plus community and also immigrant talent here in New York.
0: One thing we didn't get to talk about was the fact that he appeared on the Graham Norton Show as well as the Legal Gentleman, and who knows what else. So I think we may have to have him on for around two.
1: Our interview with Rod Thomas. Welcome, Rod. It's good to have you on the pod.
2: <laughs> Thank you. It's actually just really nice to hear lots of Welsh accents in one <laughs> one space for me, um, especially with uh, you know quarantine, where other voices have been somewhat lacking in my life for a while. Well,
0: we are glad to fill that void. Um, so, I, just imagine—it's been a big week for you with the release of some music. Do you want to tell us a little bit about about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, being a musician during this time of quarantine and you know political activism has been uh, somewhat strange and somewhat guilt-ridden, like trying to work out what to do with um, putting music out. Um, so we started the kind of like the launch of the campaign for my new record in March, just uh, just after quarantine kicked in, which was uh, very strange. Um, and then we had, you know, a few singles kind of benchmarked out in the run-up to the record, and this one that we put out this week was meant to be a little bit earlier into Pride Month, but when, you know, we're shifting the focus of Pride into, like, activism and historical representation versus celebration, you know, to, which is really what it should be about anyway, um, we delayed the single a bit, so it came out on Tuesdays, the last day of Pride Month, quote-unquote, June. Um, uh, and it's a, just, like, a summertime fun song. Like, the, the record that I've made is about the LGBTQ plus community and about the history, the present, and the past. and um, Sorry, the history, the present, and the future. I've obviously uh, I've turned the fan off, so the heat has already gone to my brain. Um, uh, and it's about, like, you know, how the LGBTQ plus community has like struggled through time and how it's managed to stay strong and like celebrate itself. Um, And stay optimistic in the face of a lot of adversity, which, you know, the president has reminded everybody just by being white supremacist and anti-LGBTQ in one breath in the last week. Um, So this song, you know, is, the sort of like levity moment of the record. It's not about something hugely political. This song is like focused on how the queer community has weaponized humor through time um, and Mm. how we laugh at, we laugh at ourselves and we've had to, and we do have to, and we will always have to. It's like, if you can laugh at yourself, you don't have to be gay to understand this, but if you can laugh at yourself, then other people making fun of you doesn't hurt. Um, And that's been like a big defense mechanism for queer people through history. So This song is a ridiculous, delusional look at um, having a summer romance and seeing somebody that you think is hot, losing your brain, um, slipping into a dream world and fantasizing about this life that's going to happen, which clearly never will. Um, And it's a very tongue in cheek look at how absurd I can be and one can be. Um, So, you know, the idea was to time that in with the kickoff of the summer and Pride Month and being able to enjoy yourself. But now it's sort of like after a month of hopeful education reflection, now is like a letting people laugh at me for um, for a couple of weeks while the sun's back back out.
1: Sounds great. Uh, what's the name of the single?
2: It's called I Used to Be Cool. I used to be cool. <laughs> I wrote it when I moved into this apartment in Manhattan, like March or something or of March or April or May. I can't even remember now. It was, it feels like 200 years ago, um, of 2018 and the like week that I moved in, it was like 90 degrees and boiling and like inexplicably hot. So I was just at my computer trying to make music and I was so hot, like my brain just made me say aloud, Oh, I used to be cool. And I was like, Oh, that's a very random statement to just make aloud to an empty room. And I quite like it. Um, and then I just worked the lyrics around that, um, phrase that I just dramatically exclaimed to myself
0: and <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like the way you describe it as being kind of absurd in one in one regard and I have to say uh, so I was, I was looking at the watching the music video last um last mm-hmm. night um which for, for those who won't have seen it is um uh, I mean it's a video as you said of, of admiring someone in there who's in a swimming pool right and I assume it's their apartment and you you can probably tell us better but uh, you're part of a cleaning crew who've come. Yeah, to... so the,
2: the idea is like, you know, you have like different sections of society and like there's a lot of gays who are very rich, basically. So um, the, what I plan to do with the album is to make a series of videos where I was going to use different actors from all different parts of the LGBTQ plus community, script lots of stuff and have their characters interacting in different situations, which clearly I can't do now because everything's on lockdown. Um, but in this particular one, the idea was like, I am broke and I have to get some job. So I go as part of this like cleaning crew to be like a pool boy for this like super hot rich dude who has a house in the Catskills. Um, and then when I'm on the job, I have a daydream and I in my dream, I make out with this guy and it's fabulous. And then I wake up and none of that has happened, evidently, like womp, womp um but my friend that's my friend's house upstate and it's just like the most incredible house um so I, I got to spend a couple of days there it was amazing oh
0: nice and was that so that was all done and dusted pre pre-covid was it so... <laughs> It was filmed a year ago oh wow, year ago. was last
1: summer
2: yeah i filmed it last august yeah
1: god i didn't know it took wow. so long
2: yeah <laughs> well the thing is when you don't have any money you kind of have to do things when people are free and uh like locations are empty. So um yeah, we planned this. I've been planning out like, you know, a series of like five or six videos with the same director and, and DOP um, to be filmed between then and now. Um, and we got two of them filmed before COVID happened. Um, so at least we have those two. Um, but yeah, there was meant to be like a much wider narrative with like proper characters and and conversation between them. Um, I'm, I was trying to do as much as I can in advance before the record came out. So, like, we had them in the bank. So at least, you know, at least we had to.
0: Right. Did you think about delaying the delaying the release of the record at all or was the priority, like, now we want to get the record out and we can only well, do two of the videos, then so be it?
2: The problem with doing that is that everybody is potentially doing that. And so then mm-hmm. there's, like, a bottleneck when people then come to, re- to, to have the new release date further down the line. And... I don't really know what the benefit would be. I mean, it's, it's disappointing in lots of ways because I'd, I'd spent like a year and a half like planning with my booking agent to be able to do local outreach and activism with this tour. And so I work with local LGBTQ plus talent and DJs and drag queens and activists and charities and venues to really amplify community representation and community visibility with the touring of the record and none of that can happen now so that was one reason why we thought maybe we would push it back but it's already been so long since the last record the songs have been done for so long and you know there's really no benefit to pushing back the record other than to tie in with live shows but honestly like nobody knows when that's going to be safe again it could be October it could be March it could be next September you know and because the the way that the conversation in general has shifted to being mindful of communities and representation I thought it was probably more important that the album came out now than to be pushed back because it is actually about something real and like real lives and real concerns um And I want to use it to do whatever I can to make people pay attention to the voices that I have on the record. You know, there's like 12 different guest artists on the record Um, to learn about a little bit about history, maybe if you don't know about it, Um, to just like listen to people that you don't normally listen to and talk about things you don't normally talk about. So
1: did your previous albums have such a... uh... Political, I don't want to say agenda, but you know, a sort of a social conscience behind them? Or is this a, a newfound a newfound expression?
3: Well, they've
2: each had a thread. So the the first album was kind of about like um your relationship with places and people. Make me believe in hope. Because I was I didn't really know who I was. It was my first record. I had no idea what I was doing, making it up on the fly.
1: Tell tell us what year this would have been.
2: That was 2012. Okay. Um, so I was making it 20, 20, 2009 till 2012. and then I moved to New York in 2013 and I did most of the second album Life is Easy then came out 2014 and that album was about um, moving country and getting a different perspective and sort of really re-understanding who you are and what makes you happy and what kind of who you surround yourself with. And what that can tease out in you, um, the third album, choreography, which came out in two thousand and sixteen, was written about my favorite dance sequences from 80s and 90s films that made me happy as a child um, and that was really fun to do and really liberating and I made took dance lessons and it was really crazy it was an amazing experience um, really fun um, and then this album I was putting together, and last. October when I was on tour with Cher clang um I was doing a show in Cologne how lovely that you just casually dropped that in there Uh, that's what the clanging noise was yeah (laughs) I'm like the king of the king of like casual I mean I have a very weird life right like I have absolutely you know it's it's all so independent and I do everything by myself and I'm like you know living by myself in this like very modest apartment And then I go on tour with people like Sharon Elton John. It's such a weird dichotomy. Like my life makes absolutely no sense, especially to my family in Wales. Um, But (laughs) I, when I was on tour with Sharon last year, um, between two of the songs, I just got a bit tongue tied and we were, you know, my dancers are wearing sequins. I'm wearing some like absurd outfit. I can't remember what it was. And I was sequin jacket, like, uh, you know, imagine if you will. Um, and I just said, "Oh well, as you can see, we're very gay," and the whole arena like erupted, and there was like this huge applause, and it really took me back. Um, and then that night, we had so many tweets and DMs and reposts on Instagram about saying how it, how important it was for somebody to say that on a mainstream platform in front of that many people. It doesn't really happen like that in Germany, mm. and mm. I did. I hadn't. I hadn't thought about the weight of that. Um, so then. Thinking about that, that was the point where I was like, no, I really do want to give, you know, a political tone to this record because when people say they don't like to be political, that's such a pathetic way of saying, I'm fine either way, you know? Like, life is political. You don't have to be, like, using every single post you make to be about politics to be engaged in political discourse. Like, you know everything in the world has a political um, weight to it. Whether you're saying I like ice cream or whether you're saying I hate black people, both of those things have major implications, you know, to different people. Like the, you know, you can talk, you can call it a brand, you can call it a racist, you can like, you can say pro or anti LGBTQ plus statements And, like, everything that you say has more weight than you ever allow it to have. Like, shopping in one shop, not another, is a political choice because based on your your, um, agreement or disagreement with what that shop stands for, who they fund, who they employ, who they represent. Um, And I didn't feel like there was a way in this world that I could not use whatever platform I have to make some kind of statement you know just to show that um, that I care about the community that I'm from and the community that I potentially represent to people and I have the ability to provide a platform for people within my community to perform on my songs or to collaborate with me or to be hired to make artwork or hired to make videos or to remix or to like, you know, to, to master the record. Um, And I, I feel like, you know, Elton John gives, gives his voice and his weight to people by championing new music. I don't have the platform that he has, but I do have a small platform where I can um, amplify or uplift artists that could really do with being heard by other people. And there are issues that are really close to my heart that maybe other people aren't aware of. Like, did you know that in the UK conversion therapy is still legal? No. Did, did you know that? No. Like, yeah. And so that's part of the conversation with my work, is like most people think that it's not. Because when you think about like conversion therapy, you think about electrocution, but it's there's on you know, on a different scale of that, there's like negative attribution of like um. Vocal reinforcement, like literary reinforcement, like there's multiple scales to conversion therapy. It's like it's a lot more um, insidious than people think and it's still used. So there are lots of things that I have to draw attention to. And part of what I want to draw attention to is the amazing array of talent that I've discovered in the LGBTQ plus community from my travels and from my collaborative work and is the hideous things that people are putting very willy-nilly on social media, which is making people try and take away our human rights. So, you know, I don't, I'm not making like what people would think is like a political record in like a Bob Dylan kind of sense of things, or, you know, maybe Grace Jones talking about like her um, Jamaican upbringing into like a crazy fashion-led world and what she's gone through with her life but it is a political record in that it has its roots in a community that is like historically underrepresented. Uh, oh my God. Historically underrepresented, um, historically victimized and historically laughed at, you know, and it's time to stop laughing unless you're laughing with us.
0: It's a, it's a great point. Cause I think you also not, not only say, you know, it, it's what you say and what you act, but also I think what you, what people choose not to say um or when they choose to change the conversation is as much a, a stance as anything um
2: yeah I mean I don't know what it's like where you grow up in Wales but I feel like where I grew up people don't like to make a fuss you know what I mean like oh don't make a fuss they'll see something happening and they'll be, oh no don't make a fuss don't make a fuss which is hmm. basically like don't shake the norm don't stand up for yourself don't say anything that somebody will take offense to And a lot of those things, you know, don't make a fuss is fine if somebody's taking your seat on the bus, but don't make a fuss is not fine if somebody's taking away your human right. Like that's not, that's not okay. But there's such a, like, there's such a culture of not rocking the boat. Um, And I just got really tired of that. Like I got really tired of feeling like I don't have the right to speak up if somebody's saying something against not just me, but, like, the people that I really care about, like, why is it okay for people to laugh at trans people? Why is it okay for the gay character to always be, like, the comedy relief? Like, why is it, if we want to be the comedy relief, we totally have the right to be, but, like, why is that okay? Like, why is it that the Black character is usually killed first in a horror movie? Why is it, you know, there are all of these things that, like, you know, you sh- people should be talking about or at least paying attention to. That doesn't mean you're not allowed to have fun. And that doesn't mean that you're not allowed to enjoy other things. And it doesn't mean that I want my record to be like a doom and gloom album, which makes everybody feel like a terrible person. It's just like, I want my album to, to, to start conversations with people, you know? Like we, we, we laugh at ourselves and I laugh at myself all the time. I'm an absurd, ridiculous human being. And I love all manner of like ridiculous films. Like I have Mannequin, Gremlins, Big Trouble in Little China, Romy Michelle, Bette Midler posters all over my apartment. But I also pay attention to the news and I will call out like, you know, anti-LGBTQ and racist behavior. So like you can, both of those things can exist in the same person and they really should.
1: And they should. Yeah, quite right. I often think when people say, uh, what's the old adage? Don't talk, about, uh, don't talk about politics or religion in polite company. What they really mean is, yeah. don't challenge me on my political ideas. I've, I've made up my mind, yeah. and I don't want to talk about it. But you're right about opening a conversation, I think, because, and it doesn't even have to be a difficult conversation, but like we should be talking about all of these things because I think we can all recognize there are changes that need to be made. And if everyone, yeah. if no one speaks about it, and everyone goes to bed thinking exactly the same way they thought when they woke up that morning, yeah, nothing's going to change.
2: Yeah. And it's the idea of conversation, you know, like I'm not here to shout at people and tell people that they're wrong. I'm here to like, like I've never, when have you in your entire life had someone shout at you and it's changed your mind? Like never once. Right. You know, the, the times when you've actually made a change in the way you think is when somebody has like had like a conversation with you, like you are a real human being and talk to you like your opinion matters and talk to you like you're both listening to each other that's conversation and that doesn't happen very much these days you look at elections in America and it's a Republican screaming at a Democrat and in between them is just like the Grand Canyon it's like this is never ever going to end well you have like you know people screaming from like you have like a gay man screaming at like a white straight man like you don't understand me the other one's like you don't understand me like this situation is never going to be helpful and I want to present this record in a way where it is, you know, it's somebody showing something fun and cool, which is actually as engaging as like a straight person doing the same thing. And this band happens to be somebody from the LGBTQ plus community. The, the acronyms throw people to begin with, you know, people, are, people don't understand what they mean. This is the, the eternal failure of the liberal side is that like they present things in ways that are not digestible to people who aren't on their wavelength like they even things like saying defund the police to people that don't already think that they don't get what that means like MAGA is so brainlessly simple to understand it got a huge following but like the liberals try MAGA
0: is for anyone who doesn't know MAGA is uh Trump's uh, make, yeah, make America exactly
2: great. make America great again. You know, it's a it's a brainless statement, which is a slogan basically. If you work in advertising, you come up with a slogan that is so simple that literally a monkey could repeat it.
1: It's almost meaningless. You know?
2: And make America it's, it's, great. Oh, it's absolutely meaningless. There are no specifics. Not a in single that
1: thing. I, when, yeah. During during the 2016 election, I really wanted to get myself a red hat and write "Make America Great Britain Again" on it and see if anyone No, <laughs> no one would
2: notice. Oh, wow. but, uh, but I just thought, I can't... It's uh, a
0: controversial I, statement. I, I, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, my
2: point is that, like, you know, we should be able to be, to be comfortable having conversations. We should be able to feel like we're able to have a conversation. And my intention is to start conversations. It's not to point the finger at people, because, spoiler alert, like, I'm not perfect, you know? I don't know everything... I am part of the LGBTQ+ plus community. I don't know everything about anyone's experience in that. I am not a Black trans woman. I do not know what that's like. But I'm listening to people and I'm highlighting the fact that like none of us know what that's like. I'm not posting these things because white straight men should know what it's like because I do. It's like no none of us do and hopefully all together we can talk about these things so that like gradually we can understand. Like I'm talking to two straight men now, I presume. Um and, you know, like w- we're able to talk about things like I, I don't know what it's like to be a woman. I don't know what it's like to be a teacher. I don't know what it's like to be a Native American. Like, you know, we're, we're immigrants in a country and that's in itself like a weird position to be in, like trying to understand like that to lots of people, we are very strange, um, even though we're like white presenting men like we slip under the radar a lot and that's immense privilege that we don't clock until everything comes up. And it's like, wow, that's a conversation that we definitely need to have. Like there's a lot of, um, there's just a a lot to talk about. And I really hope that people are willing to just, to just talk to people, you know, listen. Yeah.
0: I do. I do think the, um, what you were saying about the language thing is important to acknowledge though. And I've definitely seen it here. I mean, you were half saying that, you know, that even the notion of defunding the police um, sounds radical. But actually, you know, when you understand that it means, you know, cutting down a police budget and redistributing that money into social services so that when you, you know, need to call for assistance, um, you have other alternatives than, you know, a policeman with a shield and a gun showing up. And you might be able to yeah. have a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist or um, social yeah. services come and help you in those scenarios. Um, but obviously that's a long thing to put on a poster (laughs) yes and by
2: the time you've said the first five words of the long sentence people have stopped listening and you're like how do you find a way then for you know for people to listen and it's that's not possible without making it a conversation so it's like finding ways to make that a conversation where people feel actively part of it to so then they their ears are actually open when you're trying to say that sentence, you know? And I think, Yeah, it's interesting.
1: Oh. I was just going to say that I think part of the problem is that people only end up having these conversations with people that already essentially agree with them. Hmm. Yeah. We're just talking I mean, about it to our mates. Yeah. and then, you know, Well, that's much- actually what I was going
0: to say, because I think what's been different about the last few weeks is I think we're starting to see a bit of a difference. And I've actually been up at my girlfriend's who lives on the Upper East Side in Manhattan, near Gracie Mansion, where the mayor lives. Um, mm. And there's been a community forum every evening at 7 p.m. and then a march round Gracie Mansion. I've, I've been going to some of those. And it's really been interesting to see people from different neighborhoods, from Harlem, from the Upper East Side, um, share their experiences. have decisions. Now, granted, just to turn up, um, you know, shit says something. But you are starting to see a lot of that interaction. But we have encountered quite a bit of pushback from people in the neighborhood. Um, and there was even right. one instance where we were, you know, people were saying black lives matter. And a woman started screaming, all lives matter. Um, oh, now, now, of course you, you can understand why she's can't understand why she's saying that, but you, she's looking at that, not understanding that all lives yeah, matter cannot, matter. cannot matter until black lives matter. But without yes. understanding that, um, yes. she, she's under the, she, she's under the assumption saying, you know, and they're getting defensive. But what we did instead of it sitting and having that conversation, we just shouted back louder black lives matter. Yeah. And again, my point obviously is, like, didn't help to that. Across, the, it never across the Grand
2: Canyon. And there are still a lot of people that I see that still post All Lives Matter memes. And I'm like, I, I don't, are you just choosing not to listen now? Like, because there's been, you know, there's been information shared to you on level of everything from university level to like literally three-year-olds should understand that. And at what point do you decide that you've actively, you're actively not going to pay attention to what's being said, you know? Because there is a point where the information is so simple like that how yeah. could how could a living person who has ever opened their eyes or ears how could how could that living person actually not see that point of of reference how, how yeah. could how is it possible to, to be alive like have the oxygen going into your brain and not understand what that is trying to tell you yet here we are It's, it's so bizarre. Like I, I've been saying to my friends that like the first thing that COVID killed was perspective. It just feels like people are not willing to, multiple people are, you know, doing their best. And there has been like a big upsurge in social awareness, but like the startling lack of perspective with some people during this whole quarantine has been like, like spine shattering. You know, like, I feel like I'm having a stroke when I read what some people are writing or what how they're responding to things. I just feel like the character in a movie where they are put in an insane asylum because they can see things that other people can't. And everyone's like, you know, you're insane. You're like, no, that person just did something really horrific. They're like, no, you're insane. And I'm like, am I insane? I'm not insane. But, you know, those moments where you really just feel like, oh, my God, what the hell is going on?
1: I think it's quite heartening that after after the lockdown, when you might have uh, expected people's lives to become smaller and more introspective, actually there, mm-hmm. is, there is this this big surge of uh, activism and caring about other people, which I think yes. shows that uh, when we're not completely swamped by uh, all the things that go into work and earning money and buying things and all the other stuff that we do that fills our lives, when we're not swamped with all of that, we actually on the whole are, are good people mostly
2: yeah it, it has been amazing to see like how many people have come to the table and just be like you know just useful where they can be and mindful and ready to learn and ready to like pay attention to things that they you know rightly or wrongly weren't aware of before you know for me with, with like black lives matter and all the stuff i've learned about the american legal system for example is an important reminder to me that like when people are trying to be lgbtq plus allies of course they don't know certain things and an easy reaction is to like roll your eyes when people are like you know oh so oh you couldn't get married before or like you know you could just get attacked for holding hands with somebody in the street and you're like yes we have been saying that for a very long time but of course everybody has their own every community has their own version of the eye roll just being like yes we've been trying to tell you that for an incredibly long time and just nobody's been listening So, you know, it's an important reminder, again, about perspective and conversations and like how hard it is to make people aware of something that doesn't directly involve themselves, you know, Mm. Um, because it's hard if you don't have any experience of something, how can you possibly understand something? So it's like nobody expects you to be born understanding gay history or what it's like to be a trans person all they're asking is that you allow yourself the time to step away from your comfort zone and learn something if you want to, you know? Um, Nobody is born knowing everything about every experience at all. Not a single person, but the willingness to listen and have those conversations is the only way that anything ever gets taught. Like, you know, so you, you know when you're choosing to not listen and you know when you're choosing to listen. And it's just like, hopefully, people will choose to listen a bit more. And it seems like they have. And I hope that that continues.
0: Well said. And it's actually a great doc. I watched, uh, you know, part of my education, I watched um, the Marsha P. Johnson documentary on Netflix, um, which I thought was a great um, So I I learned a lot from that. Um, Did you see the Disclosure
2: documentary on Netflix that just came out? Yeah, no, I didn't see that one. It's really, it's really good. the The strength of that documentary actually is that it kind of goes through like cinematic and television history about um, trans representation, and you'll realize that there are so many films that you've seen with like varying degrees of trans representation, which have been like almost exclusively problematic um, through history. But like that's how most people learn about what a trans person is or a gay person is. And of course, society is mostly terrified of trans people because most films have made fun of them or used them as like the tragic story or the the heartbreak story or the the murder victim or whatever, you know? Like there are very few instances of um, triumphant, successful trans characters in TV, film, you know, whatever throughout time. So how do you learn about stuff? How did I learn about stuff when I was a kid? I watched movies and I watched TV shows and listened to the radio to learn what life was like outside of sleepy crying, you know? Um, There was lots of very gay culture in the UK. I feel like the UK was very gay um, in the 80s and 90s with things like uh, Stockgate and Waterman and like Sonia and Gina G and Kylie Minogue and blah, 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 blah. But none of it was ever, like, they were never like the uh the serious people they were never the success stories it was just all a bit like light fluff fun um and I feel like any gay character in 80s or 90s tv shows they were outrageously camp, and they were absurd figures which were just there for a laugh and I don't really feel like I had anybody that I related to or saw as a role model or that my family would see as like a viable um person that would exist in the real world and make a success of themselves and have a good life. You know, I feel like that was um, hugely missing in pop culture um, most of my life. Um, and so I do think, yeah, it's really important to see role models and to have, you know, trans people playing trans characters, gay people playing gay characters, which is one of my major bugbears. Uh,
0: representation, I think, is one thing, but of course, I think a big part of what we um what we know is important is it's not just getting that representation, but also getting accurate representation. Um, so you're getting role models and, you know, people into popular culture in music, um, in cinema, in television, um, that, that actually reflects the the populace of the people who live in that country. And, and I think getting, uh, to a point where it's not just, Oh, we have a film like black Panther means that there is now, you know, equal opportunities for black people in the film industry. Um, in the same way that having a black president doesn't mean there's equal opportunities um, for black people in politics or society in general in America, um, and I think that's interesting when it when it as it relates to so I think a lot of the work that that you're doing, um, Rod, in terms of the community in 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 New York um, specifically um, around you know increasing those I think you talked about at the beginning that those ampl- the for amplification. And I know that you do, you've been doing a lot of work um, in that, so maybe you can just talk about the, you know, the organisation you've set up um, and just some of the efforts that you, you're working on there to affect some of those change, that change.
2: So, you know, I'm fortunate, and I moved to New York because when I came to visit here, I saw so much diversity in the arts and culture scene um, with people who work really hard and they play really hard, but also they go and support each other. And I saw people going to each other's shows, paying for tickets, never asking for a freebie and going to support people because they wanted their friends to succeed. And that is such an incredible um, facet of New York lifestyle and art scene that um, I find in, like incredibly inspiring. So um, here as well, it's, it's more common to talk about injustices than it is in the UK. I feel like it's more open dialogue here than it, than it was there up to date. And, you know, it's been really amazing to be here and try and be part of something where we're trying to create opportunities for people and trying to represent people. And, you know, listen, not everything can represent them. When I say, like, there weren't gay characters and things, like, I don't want people to write a gay character into a TV show so that I have representation. I don't think every show needs one. That's tokenism. I don't think that every show can protect, can possibly represent an accurate des- depiction of everybody's life. Like, that's impossible. Um, but I do want more opportunities for people to be seen and to be heard. Um, so, you know, Alan Cumming runs this amazing bar in the East Village called Club Cumming. He's a huge activist. He's amazing. He's worked with, like, lots of different people from every kind of, like, facet of the LGBTQ plus world and straight people, spoiler alert and always works to like create opportunities for people to grow and learn and show their talent and meet other people meet other talents um which is amazing and there's lots of institutions in new york that i feel do that so um kind of like in the narrative of this record that i've set up i wanted it to involve the voices of people who don't look like me don't sound like me don't come from the same place as me don't have the same experience as me and set up a Well, it's like a kind of umbrella collective, really, but it's working as my record label. It's called Yes Queen, which is Y-S-K-W-N. Largely poking fun at that trendy thing with like, bands, like, Subtract with, like, no vowels in them um, because it annoys the hell out of me. So I did it to myself. Um, I thought it was hilarious. Um, (laughs) But it's... (laughs) I'm using it as well as, like, an umbrella company to list... um, organizations that support and amplify underrepresented voices um to amplify talent within the lgbtq plus community and you know people that don't live where they were born i think that's a really important struggle that a lot of people deal with um i try to work with them and i try to connect people like i'm not joan of arc like i'm not mother Teresa. i'm not like I'm not any of these people that have made huge historic movements through time, but I'm trying my best to make little inroads for people to start talking to each other and collaborate with each other, work with each other, fundraise for each other. Because there are, like you said, there are a lot of really amazing people in this world and you've seen a lot of them come out with woodworks. All the stuff like I've been posting that has activism and activist attentions I've had lots of people that I know personally, like message in DMs and say like, wow, I didn't know that. Actually, thanks for posting that. And these are people that I think are, you know, educated liberals. And the point that I've been making the whole time is like, none of us know everything. So, you know, one person sharing something is, is fantastic because, you know, it's a way for you to, to see something that somebody else has seen and like shared on. So my whole intention with my guest queen like outlet is to share information, share education, share experience, share joy, share burdens, share opportunities and do whatever I can to, you know, create opportunities or to make people aware of opportunities that exist that they should absolutely be aware of because you don't always get to see them. You know, I don't know about funding opportunities or residencies or shows that are happening until somebody tells me about them. So I'm just trying to, you know, be a little megaphone. I
1: suppose Nice Nice Thank you I just just want to say that you I know you say you took all the all the vowels out but we three are from Wales and you've got (laughs) you've got Y-S-K-W-N and I read that there's and I even I even put it in Google Translate I was like what is this what does this word mean does it
3: have a Welsh translation no
1: (laughs) i imagine if it did it'd be, it'd be perfect, it's
2: really it not unfeasible, though is it no, I have been as, like as did i
0: as did i i mean yeah. I don't know if i t- i remember a term I don't, I don't know. if I think I've asked it What? askin' screen davit but I, I it's like a swear word or something, but you can cut this out but um, <laughs>
2: I, d- I don't know maybe I'm, i would be like I would be so proud if it was accidentally a Welsh swear word you know that would be so amazing so
1: what's what's next for uh for do you know I don't think we ever even said the name of your act. We've referred to you as Rod Thomas, but we haven't said that you uh, perform and record songs under the name Bright Light, Bright Light. hmm
2: Yes, that's what that's what I do.
1: So if people if people wanted to uh to listen to uh Fun City, uh your latest album, yeah. or in fact your back catalogue, uh where could they where can they find you?
2: Uh I am on all the social medias. Uh, my handle is at bright light x2 um, so like instagram twitter facebook uh, on spotify or itunes it's bright light bright light and uh, there are three albums today fun city's out in september but you can hear the three tracks that are out um, today um, i've worked with people like you know jake shears uh elton john um andy bell is on a track on the new album from erasure so lots of stuff coming up um, and plenty of music to work your way through in quarantine in the next few months until the new album comes out.
0: And we haven't, we haven't actually talked about it today, but you've also been doing virtual,
2: virtual gigs, right? Um... Yeah. I normally do a DJ party every week in Allen's Bar uh, Club coming So I've been doing this DJ set online every Saturday. So, you know, if you're at a loss, um, 3 p.m. American time or 3 p.m. New York time, which is 8 p.m. UK time, Uh, I DJ on twitch.tv forward slash brightlightx2 or on my Instagram channel Um, and I play pop songs, songs from movies, uh, soul, disco, you know, uplifting fun stuff basically for five hours every Saturday that will get you through quarantine and if I don't get you through quarantine I have failed my job.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That
1: sounds fun. Well,
0: well, this has been absolutely awesome. I think we could we could keep going all day. Um, we may well have to have you back on for another episode at some point because I'm sure there's some uh, either sh- some share or some Elton stories that we, we absolutely have to hear. Yeah, uh, yeah well, at some guess point. what? I'm not going anywhere,
2: so I'm very available. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: no. Um, but for now, we'll let you go. And we said yes. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a, it's been a great conversation. I've, I've really really enjoyed it.
3: Yeah,
2: thanks for having me. It's been really nice to do it. Nice to hear some Welsh voices, uh, you know, in in these foreign shores. And I uh, hope hope to see you in real life soon.
3: Yes.
1: It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much.
3: You're welcome. You're very Cheers, welcome. Dimmagabal. Anger that's outside there's not enough patience in the world and the way they love only seems to hurt All oh, life is rough out there on the streets but in here where we're hiding there's nothing to fear cause I got all night all day for your tears for your pain It's me you're fooling I'll write your name on everything Cause everything is you And I've got all right.